Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by the beat writers Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman, who've been out at Centene, Maryland Heights, uh, looking at our heroes back on the ice. Guys, you know, from being out there the day one, it didn't seem like they had missed much during the four months they were off, got right back to work. It just, it's, it's hockey again, mid-July, but it's hockey. Yeah, it's, it's weird uh, uh, driving out to Centene. And it's and the calendar says mid July. We got a little bit of a taste of it. I mean, we're we're covering hockey through June twelfth last year, but yeah, they 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 all look in pretty good shape. Some haven't been able to get much ice before uh, reporting here to uh, to Centene for camp. Uh, great to see Tom Timmerman, believe it or not, and and great to see you out uh, out there, Gordo. Gordo's I uh, can't stay away from the rink. You were out there what uh, Monday, so. Uh, yeah, here we go. I, I really think, uh, you know, barring some big outbreak of uh, the COVID, I, I think we're going to get some hockey here. And, and Tom, there's not a lot of time, considering that you're going to be playing elimination hockey here, uh, to get yourself to where you need to be. After all, the Blues needed months to get ready to, to play that level of hockey uh, during their cup run. Uh, they don't have months, they have weeks. And uh, they were playing pretty good this season, but still they got to relocate the game that they had uh, last year in the summer to, to try to defend this cup. Yeah, you know, in normal training camp, you get a preseason game three days in. Uh, they'll have a little more time this time uh, until they build up to their first game. And then, you know, that round robin series, it's not do or die. It's not elimination. Um, and being the number one seed and being the number four seed, you know, may not be that big a difference. So they, that gives them a slightly longer runway Though, then the complication will be when they start playing games for real, they'll be playing a team that already has played games for real. So uh, even though those games won't matter, they have to get in that mindset. But uh, knowing that, you know, if they lose to Colorado on August 2nd, uh, it's not the worst thing that could happen to them. Now, JT, there's been a little bit of excitement uh, or drama on uh, defense as camp starts. First, a couple of guys aren't there to start, and then one of the guys sort of goes away. <laughs> and that is going to be the state of uh, July, August, and September, and I guess a little bit of October hockey. Guys are suddenly not going to be there. The NHL, and I'm, I'm curious, uh, Jeff, you're, you're, and Tom, you guys both uh, uh, cover, cover baseball, um, just how different the – Major League Baseball and the NHL, the, the league just doesn't want to announce any of this. They're just announcing positive tests. Uh, it's interesting they, they don't want uh, media. Uh, we're, we're not going to be able to cover the practices up in the, uh, the bubble cities of Edmonton and Toronto, where MLB, if the player says, yeah, I'm fine, you can mention my name, you know, that, that I tested positive. So uh, it is going to be a guessing game. And so uh, we knew that uh, there were going to be a couple players after we reported that four had tested positive, a couple players that weren't cleared yet before they started. And it obviously looks very much like it was Colton Pareko and Bartuzo. But now just on the fourth day of all this, uh, suddenly no Vince Dunn for the uh, second session in the afternoon. And Tom, they do have uh, depth on defense, seven starter uh, quality guys. And, uh, at least one prospect who clearly is, is ready to play in the NHL right now. Yeah, Nico Mikola is probably right now the seventh defenseman since um, they haven't had the full complement uh, for one day so far in practice. Um, and Mikola is, uh, you know, he has shown when he was up, he played five games during the season. 
that he can go, that he's ready to play at the NHL. He's never played in the playoff game, though, so that'll be new for him. But they got six guys who have been, who have been through this, who know what they're doing. So uh, they're in good shape there. Um, so that's the one position. You know, forward, they got a lot of guys there, maybe not the same quality depth that they have uh, on defense. But they can, you know, I don't think Craig Berube or Mike Van Ryan has to be concerned at all if suddenly he's got to put Nico Mikula uh, in a game. And then they've got Jake Wallman, Derek Pouliot, and Tyler Tucker, though he's not eligible for the playoffs, but he's in camp now. Now, JT, the, uh, the Tucker case is interesting because he's getting a little, uh, a little uh, taste of the NHL after really making just quantum leaps at the junior level and becoming quite the offensive uh, defenseman. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we, we've talked before about uh, Joel Hofer, who's also here, who was on Team Canada. Well, Tyler Tucker came, came close to getting an invite uh, for Team Canada as well. He's come light years, and if he continues at this pace and makes the uh, NHL, I, I believe it was a se- I think it was a seventh rounder, or he may have been a sixth rounder. But all of a sudden, he's turned into a scorer last year and uh, uh, the year before in in junior hockey. He's got some size, some physicality. They they want him to skate better, but uh, you know, I in my short time uh, on doing this hockey thing, uh, their scouting department. I mean, they unearth some guys. You look at a guy like Sammy Blay who's still very much ascending. He was a sixth-round pick. A guy like uh, Bennington, now he, he was earlier pick, but still for, for him to, to have the kind of impact he has. So they, they may have a hidden gem in, in Tyler Tucker. And even if it's only a week or if he's with them before they leave, because they have, they have to drop a couple players uh, to meet the roster limits, the, even the expanded roster limits. And I think the assumption is it'll be Tyler Tucker and Joel Holfer, the, the two players coming out of juniors. But even if these guys get a week and a half, two weeks of exposure, practicing with the defending cup champs, I mean, it's, I, I think it's going to help them a lot and help their confidence. Uh, Tom, he gets to know the chief and that's the whole thing. And the, you know, uh, Ivan Barbershev was saying the other day, you know, known chief for a long time. It's been, you know, getting to know how Chief works uh, is a uh, is a good thing to have in your uh, in your portfolio in your bag of tricks. So um, that's something they will all, even if they may not see Chief. Who knows how many years Tyler Tucker is away from the NHL? But um, certainly knowing uh, what you're getting into is a good thing. Now, JT, uh, we've talked about the the blue line where there's been a little bit of shuffling because of the uh, presumably because of the virus. Uh, up front, a lot of forwards, but the guy everybody wants to talk about is number 91, Vladimir Tarasenko. Extra time to recover from his shoulder injury. Uh, has hit the uh, you know, hit the ice at full tilt and looks like uh, the old Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, he sure, he sure does. It, it's it's almost, uh, uh, to use the Dick Vermeil term, it's almost glaring how, how, how good he looks uh, out there. And and one of the, uh, the good things about uh, – this camp setting is uh, we can be right up on the glass. We can be 10, 15 feet away from Tarasenko. And one of the things, and I, I even posted in the, the five things to watch entering campus, would, with that shoulder, would he have the zip back on his shot? And oh my gosh, it, it looks like the rocket is, is back. He is, he is peppering some shots. Armstrong, who doesn't really throw around the compliments too much. He's been raving uh, about the guy. He said the other day uh, that he's almost scoring at will on, on, on the ice. So, uh, I think that's got to be reassuring. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt that the extra four months helped. He was going to come back uh, like the week after the pause during the pandemic. And I know enough about shoulder uh, 
injuries and, and, and surgeries. Five months is really pushing it for uh, what we believe was the kind of surgery that he had. And, and now with four months, he could get, get, get that shoulder stronger, more confidence uh, in it. Uh, uh, he, 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 could be, he could be a surprise. Uh, he doesn't look rusty at all, at least in this setting. Now, Tom, the uh, absence of number 91 during the course of the all but 10 games of the regular season gave a lot of other guys a chance to grow. David Perron stepped up, had another really strong year, became one of the go-to shooters. Uh, Jane Schwartz, Braden Shen had much better regular seasons than a year ago. Talk about Sammy Blay progressing. Robert Thomas took a big step. Uh, this team, um, Zach Sanford scored goals. So in the absence of 91, the, the forward group got better. Now it's intriguing to think how will all of this start fitting together as uh, Craig Berube starts to uh, ponder you know, combination possibilities for the elimination games. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to have to come out from what we saw before. You know, Zach Sanford got this opportunity during the uh, non-Tarasenko time, ran with it. So his spot on the line with O'Reilly and Perron looks uh, fairly settled. Uh, and Sammy Blay has staked his case, and it looks like um, you know, he'll be in there as well. So, uh, you know, Jordan Cairo, good potential, but it looks like he may not be able to, to get in yet. Mackenzie McKeckern played a lot this season. He is probably going to be out until Ivan Barbashev's wife has a baby, in which case McKeckern probably comes back in. Um, but they'll have, they'll have guys waiting, and there's, but someone like, uh, you know, Cairo can be tough to get a chance. But Craig Ruby has said multiple times, we're going to use a lot of guys. Uh, so it sounds like there's going to be some churn in some of those bottom spots, maybe on that third line, which is Thomas, Bozak, and Blay. Maybe that Blay spot gets rotated. Um, and, and then you, have, you, know, you do have the Barbershev spot uh, on the fourth line. Now, uh, JT, the progress made by Robert Thomas was remarkable. He played a lot more toward the end of this, this season than he was early. So his minutes were up a couple uh, per game, and his playmaking ability is amazing. Tom and, and you, JT, have tried to stress with them the need to maybe shoot the puck more, but there's no doubt that this shoot season is sending ascending talent, and compared to a year ago, my goodness, it's he, he'll enter these playoffs totally different player. A, a couple things that really stick out to me. One, he's coming back here starting at center, Bozak on the wing. That's the way it was in the second half of uh, the, the pre-pandemic season. But to me, this, this shows your wing days are over. The, the apprenticeship is over. We drafted you to play center, and, and here you are. The other thing that I noticed in the maybe the last 20 games or so, I mean, he's still always going to be a pass-first guy, but he's looking for his shot more. And uh, I, I don't know if Tom – and I've, I've physically heard Tom tell – Thomas in the locker room. You have to shoot more, and uh, but I and and I don't know if we're going to have to do that that much because I think he's getting enough confidence. He's not deferring as much, and uh, that is that is good to see. Now I, I don't think he's going to be necessarily a thirty goal scorer, but yeah, he can he can put it in the basket, and he's pretty good in front of the net. So that that's all that's all good to see. And and he's a guy I've heard Craig Berube say, and again like Armstrong, Berube doesn't like toss. Uh, compliments around uh, all that freely. He said he thinks Thomas can be a star in this league. And, that, you know, that, that really kind of gets your attention when you hear that out of Ruby. Uh, another guy that's interesting, uh, I think another guy who could shoot more, but who had a, a strong, another strong year when it comes to, 
takeaways versus giveaways and an overall strong game. The uh, lady being candidate, Ryan O'Reilly, and Tom's going to have to jump out of the podcast early to, to uh, get on that call. Uh, but the, uh, you know, just a real solid year from, from Ryan O'Reilly. But I think there's a, still another level for, for his play offensively than when we saw him, just in terms of shots on goal uh, in the regular season versus what could be a difference maker in the postseason if he would look more. Yeah, I mean, he had what I think you would say, you know, not as good an offensive year as he could have had. Uh, and he was still, you know, was one of the best players on the team offensively. So um, the feeling that, yeah, he could score more, you know, his, for him, it's, it was a you know, confidence. He was passing up some shots. Uh, he's got to take more of those. But, you know, no one works harder. Um, literally, we say that a lot. No one works harder. No one works harder than Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, we, I mean, he was after the first session uh, on Tuesday. He was out there, you know, well after everybody else had left, and that's the kind of guy he is. Um, and you know, to be, you know, a, as solid a defensive forward he is, and still, you know, the guy took five penalties, you know, all year. I mean, he 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 does it all so well. But we saw last year in the playoffs. I mean, he won the Con Smythe. Uh, trophy is the MVP, uh, even though I didn't vote for him, I voted for Bennington. But um, yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, the potential that he has and what he can bring to this team is is immense. I hear Ryan is pretty upset with you about that. <laughs> Actually, I, I, voted, Ryan, I voted for Bennington too. Ryan, being the gentleman that he is, would say, no, I believe Jordan Bennington deserves Oh yeah, he, he would, he would. Now, you mentioned, you wrote about uh, Jordan Bennington, he had some downtime and besides you know, scouting uh, Justin Bieber on potential shootout moves. He got into the uh, got into the uh, guitar thing. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, are we going to see a band someday with Ryan O'Reilly and Jordan Bennington, some of the guys? I mean, are we uh, – is, is there a life after uh, hockey for these guys and music? I don't know if Bennington's quite up to the stage where he can jam with O'Reilly, but I think that would be the first step. Uh, Tom looks like he could be in a band and sing. I, I don't know. How's your singing voice, Tom? Terrible, terrible. Uh, well, never I'm, mind then. I'm legally barred from singing in three states, so that's. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, my uh, my my youngest son, the band broke up. He's a drummer, so maybe he could join him. And then, so you gotta you gotta start there. But uh, with uh, kind of a total Bennington move, I'm just gonna pick up the guitar, which isn't all that uh, isn't all that easy to do. But uh, uh, how about Jordan? He, he he does seem I don't know. He's slow. It's taking him a while, maybe longer than most. But it seems like he's maturing a little bit. And, you know, they, there's confidence that because he's done it once for a goaltender in the playoffs, you never know if you have a playoff caliber goaltender until he's tested in the playoffs. Blues have gone through many. Uh, did not work out that well. Sorry, Roman Turk. Didn't happen for you here, bud. But um, yeah, he proved it. So he knows if he has a bad game in the playoffs that, hey, I've, I've overcome this before. I've done it several times. I, I won a game seven. Uh, you know, that's not a small thing. Yeah, I, I just wonder what they do with uh, Jake Allen. I would, ex I, I wouldn't be stunned if, uh, and I'm curious what you guys think. Would you, would you guys be surprised if uh, he got a start in one of the round robin games? Just well, yeah. yeah, I would, I would think that uh, you'll, you'll see Bennington in two and Allen and Allen in one. I don't know if they would throw Huso a few minutes somewhere along the way just so he could get some game action. But yeah, I, I, I would fully expect Allen to start one of the three games. You too, Gordo. Yeah, you've got to. I mean, the exhibition is a great way to get everybody. I think you probably 
by your third round robin game, I got you got to have your 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 lineup, right? But I think you you mix and match a bit those the exhibition obviously, and then the two round robin. Uh, you, you try to get to probably the second preseason or round robin. You're pretty close to what you want as well. So, you know, so yeah, it's uh, they're in a good spot there. You know, it's been a while for Jake. He had a solid regular season again this year, and uh, didn't see but a few minutes in the postseason last year. But he's he's been there before. Uh, he's won series before, so. Again, goaltending is another spot they don't feel too bad about. No, and I, I, I just think, too, Bennington, I, I think I'd be more surprised. I mean, he, he did. He had a couple clunkers, in, especially against Boston. Uh, he got pulled five goals into that seven-goal uh, that, seven game. Uh, what was that, game three? And then game six, he gave up five goals. I, I, I'm kind of thinking maybe it'll be a little more even performance for him. He, he knows what to expect. Uh, he, he knows he can do it against the best teams. And now he's – you know, we kind of forget he was still kind of making his first rounds around the league. He's seen most of these teams now. So he's starting to – I would think he's starting to get a book on, you know, the, the different tricks that, that some of these uh, players like uh, have. You talk to Jake Allen and, he you knows well, Patrick Kane likes to do this move and that move. Bennington was not at that point in, during the Stanley Cup year, and I think he might be kind of getting going down that path now. All right, Tom's got one minute before he has to leave. Um, getting to the intensity level of where they were last year, uh, this group knows how it has to play. It's not easy to play that way, but they've got to play that way. Yeah, that has been one of the concerns, you know, and if the Blues in a short series, when there was talk of do you, are the series going to be best of seven and or best of five, would a best of five series hurt the Blues because they grind teams down? Um, they will have to get up to speed quickly. Um, but – you know, they've done it. They know how to do it. Uh, they've got the guys who have been through this, who have played these games. So, uh, you know, I think that we should be able to see by the start of a first round, not counting the play-in round, the first real round of the playoff, um, you know, a, a team that knows what it's doing. And, and I think Barubi's, you know, has got guys, you know, knows how to get guys to run through walls. And so I think uh, he'll be able to uh, get the way. But we, we did see sometimes last year, like game six of the final where the situation kind of overwhelmed them and there was a chance they could win it at home and they did not come out with their best game. Um, so sometimes it may take them a day, it may take them a game, but they can get up to where they need to get to. All right, Tom, thanks for joining us today. And we'll continue on with uh, JT on, on that topic. The other part of playing their game, uh, Jim, is, uh, is the structure of it to be able to, to get into a smothering game, it takes effort and intensity and tenacity on the puck, but there's also got to be the structure. And there's no doubt that that's in place. This team has got a, a real sound way of playing the game. Yeah, yeah, they do. And it, it, it's a, it's a game where they more, much more often than not, they, they're always in the same uh, right position. They, they anticipate well, they stay connected. And in other words, they're, they're not too far apart. On, on the ice and, and the other thing too that I'm curious to see it because usually it takes a little longer to really work up to the physical play can they get that going right away because it's a big part of their game you saw how many hits they delivered what they did to San Jose in the Western Conference Finals I, I don't think the Sharks have been the same team since then can they get that going right away we can't use the old phrase that they've 
you know, they've got to get the summer hockey out of their system because there was really no summer hockey, but still they've got to be able to get to that physical game really quick. But what you were talking about, the work ethic, the structure, uh, Baruby demands that, and I think they will be able to get to that pretty quickly. Getting back to the physical uh, part of it, the uh, the lack of crowd noise is going to be interesting. I mean, they're, they're going to – the NHL is going to try to – create as much atmosphere artificially as possible. And I know everybody's intrigued to see how they might want to do that. Uh, you know, like Doug Armstrong was saying, you know, in a, in a in closed rink, like at the practice facility on the smaller rink, but with the, uh, the noise is there. I mean, it just sounds like hockey. It's, there's, you know, it's, uh, you could feel it. You get, into a, you get into a big empty arena and that's a problem. They're going to have to try to uh, offset the league in the bubble. Because players feed off of that, whether it's getting the crowd fired up for a big hit on your ice or the impact that you can, you can cause the – feel the distress of the visiting crowd, which the Blues did very well uh, during their run. They, they seem to feed off the, uh, the negative energy or um, the adversity of, of home – of visiting uh, arenas. Yeah, yeah Bennington too. I, I, I hearken back to uh, – or think back to Winnipeg, that very first game in the whiteout and, and how much they were abusing uh, uh, Bennington and who was it? Shefley, like uh, Shifley, like 33 seconds in just, you know, Jordan was doing a little housekeeping behind the net and just got leveled by Shifley and how the crowd just went bananas with that. But Bennington again, seems to, 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 to feed off that. And it's, it's just a total unknown, Jeff. I mean, how, will it take a while to, to get used to it? We know they're competitors. We know they could be playing in a backyard rink and, they would be getting after it, but still that, that just that strange, it's kind of that unexplainable way that teams can ride the emotion of the fans, either, like you said, good or, or bad on, on, on the road. Uh, uh, what will be the impact of, of, of not being able to feed off that? I guess one a positive they have, which they, they, in a way, they, they do feed off each other. It's not the same as, you know, the, the crowd and all the excitement around uh, a game. But, you know, there's uh, – within the group itself, if, you know, one guy does something, another guy does something, this group has uh, some tightness to it. And, and Alex Petrangelo was just talking about getting the group back together. They just draw energy from each other. And this is uh, as tight a net a team that's going into the postseason as, uh, you know, as the Bruins – and I don't know if anybody besides the Bruins and the Blues can really say they're at that place. I know Tampa Bay tried to change their chemistry by adding a Maroon and then Blake Coleman to try to get more grit to it. They've got the vibe about the group. Uh, the interconnection between the players is as strong as anybody. Yeah, and for the proof of that, just look uh, the Gunnarsson goals and the Bortuzzo goal. The Bortuzzo goal uh, against San Jose in the conference final and then Gunnarsson in the uh, urinal game. Uh, the rest of the team was happier about that. Even guys like Terrace, they were happier about it than it seemed Gunnarsson and Bertuzzo. They generally, it seems like they generally care for each other. And that was, that's kind of one of the underrated things that I think uh, Barubi did when he took over from Yo. They, they weren't as connected and tight and, and, and he made them kind of play not only uh, for each other, uh, but, but kind of for the team, he, he made them a team. And I, I, I think, especially in this bubble concept, maybe that helps the Blues. They they've done so well on the road. They 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 get along so well on the road. They do things together on the road. Now they're probably not going to be out and about t- 
too much in Edmonton. You 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 probably don't want that to happen, even though the COVID nineteen uh, rates are uh, are very low up there. But yeah, they play cards together on the on the road. Maybe share a bottle of wine on a, on an off night or whatever. And I I think that will bode well for the Blues. I think some of that road success and road mentality that they have will, will translate into this bubble atmosphere. Yeah, they talk about, you know, they were, you have to get into something of a shell when you're in, in a playoff scenario and you're trying to lock in on, on the task at hand, that it's, it's much different than it would be in a regular season trip to uh, Vancouver or whatever, when you got a couple of days after the game and, you know, you, you can have some relaxation time. You do get into a mindset, but boy, this team, the closeness will sh- surely be tested. It's a good thing they, they like each other because yeah. uh, this is unprecedented how much time they're just going to be pinned into, whether it's a eating in a ballroom or just, you know, getting together and, and, and just amongst themselves, um, sealed off from the rest of humanity. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. And, and, and look at the way this round robin is scheduled. I mean, uh, they play a game on August 2nd, their, their first round robin. Then they have to wait all the way to August 6th. What are those guys going to do? As you know, Jeff, they're not going to be at the ice for eight hours during, during the day, you know, especially once they get into to postseason mode. The practices are going to be brief. And then after the second game, after waiting uh, uh, four days between games, then they have three days before the uh, – for the third game. So this is going to be a, a test of the maturity of the t- team. That's for sure. And like you said, they better like each other because they're going to be there for a while. Think about it. Now they're going to go up a, a week before, like I think it's the 26th of July is when they leave a week before uh, they begin uh, the round Robin play. So you throw in the round Robin play and then the first round, you know, heaven forbid, they get knocked out in the round of 16 or what's being called the first round. They're still going to be up there for one month, and it could be as much as two and a half months. So imagine uh, Alex Petrangelo uh, having to Zoom conference with the kids for that, for that period of time. And yet the hockey players have uh, been more accepting of this challenge, it seems like, than uh, the NBA. Uh, and certainly the Major League Baseball did not want this sort of thing. Uh, the players were really like, eh, no. So – they're all in. They're hockey players, Jim. I guess it's just one more sign. Yeah, yeah. And they're on the road a lot, obviously, but but not so much at one time. And like I said, the Barbashev situation is is interesting uh, because his wife's due in mid-August. I, I believe the protocol, uh, the phase four protocol is uh, you can re-enter, but yeah, I think you have to wait like four days. So, uh, you know, depending on how long he's, he's back in, in, in St. Louis with his wife, uh, when she gives birth, I mean, he could he could miss two or three games. I think that's one of the reasons why, instead of seeing Barbashev with Steen and Sunquist on what we, we want to call the, the the fourth line, we've seen McEachern there. Instead, maybe they're just giving McEachern a little extra work now so he could kind of get a little chemistry with those guys. And while the testing, uh, the uh, virus testing is uh, can be annoying or worse uh, for individuals, you know, you're a hockey player. I mean, you're gonna if your ear gets ripped off, they'll sew the ear back on or try to, and then you go back out there. You know, your teeth get knocked out. Well, you know, we can put them in after the game. You know, we'll just pick them up. You know, keep them in a safe place, and then we'll just do some dental surgery afterwards. It's <laughs> so, still you know, char, right? Uh, 
Yeah, you break your jaw, I'm going to be back out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so sticking a swab all the way up your nose and halfway into your brain is not a big thing. Eh, not a big deal. Okay, it's a 30 seconds of discomfort. So they're like, okay, we get, but they are going to be tested every day, my friend. Every day they got that. That would, if it were me, not as tough as those hockey players, certainly. It would get a little <laughs> aggravating, you know, on about this 13th day, you know. Like, what are you, enough already, you know. All right, well, that's Jim Thomas. I'm Jeff Gordon. Thank you to earlier uh, Tom Timmerman for joining us on the Netfront Presence. Just re a reminder for all of our listeners that uh, now more than ever, it's important to uh, subscribe to the Post-Dispatch, a digital subscription, print a subscription, support local news. A lot going on in the world. Uh, you'll get real information about not only the Blues and the Cardinals and their efforts to come back from uh, the pandemic shutdown, but all the other issues of the day relating to this, uh, to this issue. Uh, we're doing a tremendous job at the Post-Dispatch covering this uh, for the uh, community. So uh, do support local journalism if you aren't already subscribing. So for Jim Thomas, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Netfront Presence. Until next time, see you. All right, JT. All right, buddy. I'm heading up to quarantine uh, Saturday. Somewhat to my surprise, they approved going up there. So, Well, I mean, it's going to be weird. I mean, you can just write about a lot of the weirdness of that. And maybe hopefully I got to try to capture that because the, the access is not going to be much different than the Zoom calls. So hopefully well, I, I hope can... that they uh, the, the, hopefully the hockey writers will force some um, issue to some degree. So you'll get some reward for. Yeah. For well, Caruso said he'd, he'd, he, he would at least hook some guys up on the phone, if, and which, which right. will help, especially on the off days. But and the one thing the hockey writers did, they got a ridiculously low rate. It's like one hundred twenty dollars a night, U.S. dollars. I was expecting, you know, like three hundred bucks or something. So uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be good. My wife is ecstatic. I'm out in the house. <laughs> All right. All right, JT, take care uh, until next time, man. Talk to you. All right. See you, bro.